observance comes to an end and we gather with Christians around the world to celebrate three days of Jesus' death and resurrection. Tonight we remember Christ's last meal with his disciples, but the central focus is his commandment that we live out the promise embodied in this meal. As Jesus washed his disciples' feet, so we are called to give and receive love and humble service to one another. Formed into a new body in Christ through this holy meal, we are transformed by the mercy we have received and carry it into the world. Departing worship in solemn silence, we anticipate the coming days. A pause for a moment of reflection. The confessional prayer is found on page 258 in the front part of your hymnal. 258. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and for his sake God forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained ministry of the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. Holy God, source of all love, on the night of his betrayal, Jesus gave us a new commandment, to love one another as he loves us. Write this commandment in your hearts and give us the will to serve others as he was the servant of your, your son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading tonight is from the 12th chapter of Exodus. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall mark for you the beginning of the months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell the whole congregation of Israel that on the 10th of this month, they are to take a lamb for each family, a lamb for each household. If a household is too small for a whole lamb, it shall join its closest neighbor to obtaining one, and the lamb shall be divided in proportion to the number of people who eat of it. This is how you shall eat it, your loins girded, and your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it hurriedly. It is the Passover of the Lord. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both human beings and animals. On all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. 
When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague shall destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be a day of remembrance for you. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. Throughout your generations, you shall observe it as a perpetual ordinance. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us read responsively Psalm 116 as printed in your insert. I love the Lord who has heard my voice and listened to my supplication. How shall I repay the Lord for all the good things God has done for me? I will lift the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all God's people. Precious in your sight, O Lord, is the death of your servants. O Lord, I am tru truly I am your servant. I am your servant, the child of your handmaiden. You have freed me from my bonds. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all God's people. In the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, Jerusalem. A second reading from 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to Please stand for the gospel. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And abounding in steadfast love. Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, you do not know now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was about to betray him, 
For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. After he washed their feet, he put on his robe and returned to the table and said to them, Do you know that what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you should also do as I have done to you. Truly, very truly, I tell you, the servants are not greater than their master, nor are the messengers greater than the one who sent them. For you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I will stop there, and uh, there's more in your insert, I know, but I'm going to use that later in the sermon. So this is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Christ. You may be seated. The text that I've chosen is really from John, 13th chapter, 34th and 35th verse. I give you a new commandment that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. In a recent book that I picked up and read by Matthew Haig called The Midnight Library, he describes a very special and mysterious library that is full of books that represent alternative scripts for a person's life. These are stories of what might have been if you had not chosen the path you had chosen, if you had traveled a different road, taken a different fork in the road. And in this library, you had a chance to look at these books, select one, and change your whole life. You get a do-over. The hero of the story is convinced that he, if he made a different choice many years ago in his life, it would have been far better. He would be in a far better place. And now that he has a chance for a redo and to step back in time, he, would, he wished that he could have followed that other path. And he can do this now by checking out one of the books from this mysterious library, a book that makes it possible for him to reshape his entire life story. But soon he finds out, when he reads some of these books, that the road he had not chosen was not so trouble-free as he imagined. That different path would lead him to painful divisions in his family and conflicts that he hadn't anticipated. And he began to realize that he had been idealizing the other road, the road not taken. And now he understood that the path he did take was really the better one. Now, during this Lenten season, we can find ourselves asking some pretty serious questions about our life and the path we've taken. Sure, we understand Jesus' death has atoned for all of our sins, and we are justified by grace through faith in Jesus. But as an essential part of faith is what we do with this life. Has my life ended up to be anything significant? Is the world any better off for my being in it? And what can I do now that would count for something lasting and important? And if you haven't had those thoughts, I suspect you will sooner or later, especially if you hit a rough patch in your life. Now, if the truth be told, few of us have been able to dramatically affect the world by what we have done. Perhaps we've been able to contribute to the well-being of our families and our communities. We might be able to leave a little legacy to our family, or we might have done our best to show our children the proper way to live. 
the proper path of life, but haven't most folks done that? What's unusual about that? On top of that, most of us have the habit of maximizing our failures and minimizing, minimizing our achievements. Our memories can haunt us. Somebody counted on us and we didn't come through for them. We were too busy or too afraid to get involved in their problems. We didn't do enough to address the terrible problems that we see in this world, like uh, reducing our waste or uh, overcoming the question of justice, supporting justice, uh, overcoming the problems of pollution. Too often we are like the priest and Levite, of course, who walked by, by the poor man bleeding in the ditch. We all have images from our life of folks that we should have noticed and probably should have helped out. And maybe our regrets are closer to home. Every father will really wonder if he was a good father, for sure. And every mother will do the same thing. And if the, even if their children tell them that they were okay, they did a wonderful job, they wonder if it really is true. So there are no easy answers to these probing questions. And maybe there aren't any answers at all. But we can't be sad all of the time because we're looking back and endlessly obsessing about our failures in life. Life has to be more than just keeping our heads up and our legs moving as we live with endless regrets. That would crush the life out of us and we wouldn't be able to enjoy God's gifts. That's certainly not what the Christian life should be like. So we begin to look for a better answer to that question, what is the purpose of my life? And when we ask that, we start to search for the meaning of life itself. What can we do to really make a difference? How can we be sure that our time on this planet has been a positive contribution? Now the gospel has answers to these questions and as, as usual, the answer is embodied in Jesus who not only taught us how to make a difference in the world, but showed us how to do it. John 13, 34 and 35. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. Well, a critic might say, well, pastor, that's a pretty pious answer, but it doesn't come to terms with the hard stuff I face every day. So don't tell us what to do when we face poverty. It doesn't tell us what to do when we face the problems of poverty, disease, war, and all the overwhelming problems of this world. Let's get serious about reality. But soon it becomes obvious that many of these problems are above our pay scale. They are problems that we cannot solve all by ourselves. Of course, we can do what we can to improve the situation, but beyond that, we must commend these things to God. For we are forced to acknowledge that we are limited human beings with a short tenure on this earth. On the other hand, we believe that we are citizens of a heavenly kingdom and that our lives will be measured by those standards. Those standards call for love, honesty, mercy, whether they produce a reward or not. The goal is no longer security for ourselves and mere survival. The goal is service. He who is the greatest among you is the one who humbly serves, says Jesus. An early catechism of the church put it this way, the purpose of life is to glorify God and to serve and enjoy God forever and to serve our neighbor. 
So whether you are rich or poor, powerful or humble, whether you've known mostly joy or sorrow in your life, your life has ultimate meaning if it is centered on God's will and if you are loving your neighbor and doing your best to conform to God's will. Now, I think people intuitively know that there's more joy in giving than receiving. It is more blessed to give than receive, Jesus said. And I remember some of the satisfying moments in my own life. Most of them had to do with my helping somebody spiritually, financially, or even emotionally. It's more for fun to serve another person than to accumulate more for myself or to be served by someone else. For example, a good teacher might look back upon her career with joy when she remembers all of those children that she taught and helped in school. She can remember how her work enabled them to grow and learn and expand their lives. And if you're fortunate, maybe somebody will come back and tell you that you really made a difference in my life. A servant boss might remember when he helped an employee over a tough spot in his life, perhaps showing grace rather than firing him. Perhaps you brought a casserole to somebody who was grieving and you told them of your sympathy and it helped them handle the painful loss and they thanked you for it. So during a moment of reflection, we can ask ourselves the question, did I give more comfort than pain? Did I encourage others or did I crush them? Was I compassionate or was I indifferent? Am I leaving this world a better place for having lived? What will be the verdict of the all-known God who sees every good that I've done, even those I have forgotten? Of course, the prime example for humble service is Jesus, who at his last supper knelt and washed the feet of his disciples. He is a model of what it means to love one another and to serve. Here was the Son of God, who knelt to perform a servant's duties, humbly took water and, and a towel and wiped the dirt and dust off the feet of his disciples. And later on, he would take the bread and cup and say, this is my body, this is my blood given for you, a sign of his impending self-sacrifice for this sinful and rebellious world. So if you're a part of that great unremarkable crowd of people who have never achieved great wealth, fame, or glory, take heart, for that's not the standard in God's world. God's standard is simpler, and it is quite achievable. Love one another, serve one another, and do whatever you can in your small way to make life better for somebody else. And by those actions, everyone will know that you are a disciple of Jesus and you'll be an example of the Christian life and you'll bear witness to your Lord. Though the standard is simple, serve others and love even those who hate you, you must not think it's going to be easy in every case for the Bible is full of examples of people who serve faithfully only to find that their good deeds got them punished. Joseph, for example, served Potiphar in Egypt very faithfully only to be falsely accused by Potiphar's wife and thrown into jail. St. Paul traveled the Roman world evangelizing, healing, and teaching only, ended, only to be end up in Rome in a cell. David spared the life of King Saul who in turn tried to murder him on several occasions. 
Martin Luther sought to cleanse the church of corruption only to become a fugitive. And of course, there is Jesus, who did nothing but good to others, who only received a crucifixion. So servanthood is often costly and dangerous, and yet we know that it is the key to a God-pleasing life and an option we must choose, even when it appears to be unwise or even foolish. But in the world's judgment is not the end of the story. One of the clearest pictures of the ultimate reward for a servant comes from Matthew 25. It's judgment day, and the people of this world are separated like a shepherd divides sheep from the goats. And God says to those on his right, come inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. And I tell you, just as you did it to the least of these, you did it unto me. Amen. holiest of days, we pray for ourselves, our neighbors, and our world. We pray for the church around the world, put the new commandment of love and service on the heart of every believer, 
Strengthen pastors, deacons, and lay leaders in humble service for your people. Merciful God, receive, receive our prayer. We pray for the good earth that you have made. Protect fields, orchards, local farms, and gardens. Inspire us with the new life budding around us. Help us care for plants and all living creatures. Merciful God, receive our prayer. We pray for the leaders of, in every land. May they be fair and full of justice when they administer judge justice. Guide all in positions of power away from the temptations of abuse and help them work towards the common good. Merciful God, receive our prayer. We pray for all those who are in need, especially those who are in jail or unjustly accused, end oppression, and give us the common commitment to justice and peace. Merciful God, receive our prayer. We pray for those who will receive their First Communion tonight. Help them to grow and mature in their faith and in service to God. We pray for the congregation and all who gather here to receive your body and blood tonight. Fill us at this shared table and nourish us well to heed your example of service. Send us in love to those who are dealing with illness or grief, especially Carol Helgens, Kalinda Stottmiller, Judy Fries, Jim Bentner, Karen Stolte, Marty Schaff, Gwen Edwards, Jay Reddy, Chase Sternhagen, Avion Drake, Joan Kapokic, and members of the Bonnie and Tobiason and Derek Latham. Members of the family of Bonnie, Tobiason, and Derek Latham. We offer our prayers of encouragement for Vicky Victor Vicker. Holly Kraus and Pastor Wade Reddy. We continue to offer our prayers for our military family, Ben Harms, David Frankfurt, Trevor Owen, and Dustin Starn. Merciful God, receive our prayer. We give thanks for those who have died in the faith, especially Bonnie Tobiason and Derek Latim. Teach us by their example and comfort us as we mourn. Renew us by the promise of life together with you. Merciful God, receive our prayer. We offer these, our petitions, and those we carry in our hearts, trusting in your abundant and ever-present mercy. Amen. We'll receive the offering now. Blessed are you, O God, maker of all things. Through your goodness, you have blessed us with these gifts, ourselves, our time, and our possessions. Use us in what we have gathered in feeding the world with your love. Through the one who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. 
It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior Jesus Christ, whose sufferings and death gave salvation to all. You gather your people around the tree of the cross, transforming death into life. And so with all the choirs of the angels and the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again after supper, he took the cup, he gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Together we pray the prayer our Savior taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We have a number of young people that are taking their first communion today, so I would ask them to come forward and take a place here, and we will administer the communion. Body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in his holy and precious blood, strengthen and preserve you unto eternal life. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, in the wonderful sacrament, you strengthen us with the saving power of your suffering, death, and resurrection. May this sacrament of your body and blood so work in us the fruits of your redemption that will show forth in the way we live. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. We have certificates for those who have received their first communion. Okay, I don't know any of them, so <laughs> there you go. Mason Jensen, please. There you go. Carter Jensen. Mason Lloyd, Leah Lloyd, Harper Hine, Reagan Stoll. Let's uh, give them a... Uh. So we now will, uh, I'll read the psalm and the uh, altar will be stripped. O Lord God of my salvation, when at night I cry out in your presence, let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. 
I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like those who have no help. Like those forsaken among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavily upon me, and you overwhelm me with your waves. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the shades ride up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave? Or your faithfulness in the place of utter ruin? Are your wonders known in the darkness? Are your saving help in the land of the forgetfulness? But I, O oh Lord, cry out to you. In the morning my prayer comes before you. O oh Lord, why do you cast me off? Why do you hide your face from me? Wretched and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am desperate. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dread assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. From all sides they close in on me. You have caused friend and neighbor to shun me. My companions are in darkness. You may depart in silence. Liturgy, copyright 2021, Augsburg Fortress, all rights reserved. Music and lyrics reprinted with permission under one license, number A-729734, all rights reserved.